Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. Now, if you have ever shot a match in the Southeast, or if you listen to the Steve Anderson Podcast, a.k.a. That Shooting Show, then you've heard of today's guest. To borrow from Mr. Anderson, our guest pulls the handle so you don't have to. So welcome to the show, Outdoor Dynamics' own, John Royer. Welcome, John. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Ah, thanks for being on. Juan, if you would, go ahead and take a moment and introduce yourself. All right. Uh, So my name's John Royer. I am married with an 11-year-old son and Charlie, our Labrador, if you've seen some of our videos. Yeah, so I'm John Royer. I'm a married Sagittarius with an 11-year-old son and a dog named Charlie, and I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> Not really. The beach bores me, but Sarah and Mason like the beach, so I really uh, Oh, goodness. Yeah. So living in North Carolina, then, how often do you make it to the Outer Banks? <laughs> every, every year, every summer we go. Actually, we go down to Oak Island, which is about an hour south of Wilmington. Okay. Uh, what did you say was an hour south of Wilmington? Yeah, Oak Island, an hour south of Wilmington. Okay, I was at Lejeune for about three years, so okay. just north of Wilmington. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've I've never been to the Outer Banks, Outer Banks, but from here it's like six hours. All right, yeah, six hours. That kind of makes sense from where you are. There's no direct route, so. No, and Oak Island's about three and a half, so it's quite a bit shorter. Yeah, that's quite a bit. So, John, I've got five icebreaker questions um, that I ask everybody, and they're probably going to be the hardest questions of the entire episode. All right? Let's do it. Question number one, favorite movie? It would be a toss-up between Swordfish and... Blazing Saddles, and they're two totally different types of movies. Yes, they are. I know I know Blazing Saddles because I've seen it several times. Swordfish, I know of it, but I don't think I've actually seen it. All right. Well, an hour and 26 minutes after we scheduled our start. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can get this thing going. <laughs> I, I'm just going to sit here and soil myself just to get through this interview with you. Whatever happens. I'll just... That's it. Holy yep. cow. I'll just I don't throw think my I've, pants away. I don't think I've had this many issues. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is funny. And, and you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay. So we got to the fact that you are you like Blazing Saddles and Swordfish. Those are your two favorite movies. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and... I, I, I think Swordfish may only be because I had a thing for Halle Berry back in the day. So she was in there. Ah, okay. So this was pre-marriage? Yeah. I'll have to look that one up. I, you, yeah. I know. Yeah, watch the video. Because it's got John Travolta, Halle Berry. Okay. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 2001. Okay, yeah. Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, yeah. Don Cheadle. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, I knew of the movie. I forgot all those people were in. I'll have to go back and look at that. Who is the director? Dominic Cena. Okay. 
Hmm. Oh, Sam Shepard. Oh, yeah. I have to go back and watch that for sure. Yeah. A lot of good actors in there. Yeah. Okay. Whew. What I have found is a lot of guests don't read. So if you read, what's your favorite book? Favorite book is probably American Radical by, I'm a butcher's name, Telmer, Telmer Elmory. I believe it's how you say it. He was, he's a, he went undercover to catch terrorists and such in the United States. So it was pretty eye-opening, scary, scary eye-opening. And what was the name of it again? American Radical. American by, Radical. Yeah, by Tel, Telmar Elmory. All right, I'll just put Telmar and I'll figure it out. American yep. Radical. All right, that actually yep. sounds like a good a book right up my alley. Yeah, if I if I would be, um, yeah, he talked about going undercover, uh, talking with some terrorists. The thing that sticks out is he was talking to a terrorist about blowing up a, a train bridge, and something happened that he lost a connection with that guy, and he never talked to him again. So I I think that really bothered him. Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. All right. I don't know if you're into um, superheroes. Uh, I'm not really a big superhero guy. If you are into superheroes, who is your favorite superhero? If not, who's your favorite historical figure? I haven't really gotten into the... I used to like Batman, I guess, when I was a kid, but I haven't really followed any of that stuff since. Uh, For a historical figure... Maybe not so much like American history, but family history. I like to, if my grandfather was back, I like to ask him a lot more questions than what I did. Isn't it interesting that family members you don't you don't realize just who or what experiences they had? It seems until they die, and you're like, "What? I didn't know that." Yeah, yeah. I, he was in the Air Force, and he had to photograph like crashes and stuff. And I never, like, I knew that, but I never really asked him much about that. So like a crash investigator type of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of like it was like, he, he kind of played it off, but I think it, like it was a pretty big deal. Cause he saw, you know, he's with a plane crash, you see stuff that maybe you don't want to talk about, but he, yeah. Hmm. I have a, a buddy who had a grandfather who was, uh, and so I forget what major battle in World War II, but he didn't know until the guy died. He's like, nobody told him, and the guy never talked about it. And he's like, what? I would have loved to have talked to him about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's odd how these things happen. We always find out too late. Always. Yep, you're right. Okay. Favorite gun and caliber, but they don't have to be – like just because you like a 1911 doesn't mean you have to favor the 45. It, there could be something else. I would say the Smith and Wesson MP22 with a suppressor. That's I don't know. I mean that's like 22 is a pretty fun caliber, right? Cuz it's, it's very it, fun. It's good for kids, new shooters and grown adults when you put a suppressor on there. Yeah, I mean, uh, what better training round is there? So uh, I totally get it. 
Yeah. So is 22 your favorite caliber then, or? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay. Because I, I don't, I don't have to make it. I could just go buy it. <laughs> yeah, for cheap. Yeah. Well, for for cheap. Used to be. cost. Yeah. 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 Now, the fifth question I usually try to ask a a more personal question to the individual. So my my question actually goes back to the intro. And that is, who came up with the slogan, he pulls the handle so you don't have to? Did you or Steve? That was all Steve. It was all Steve, huh? Okay. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I I did really have a slogan. And he's like, what what do you want me to talk about? And, you know, I was like, I I don't know. You you like to talk. You come up with good stuff. So (laughs) go for it. Okay. You hear him all yeah. the time, though. He's like, uh, I'm running out of ideas. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's done the same podcast for how many years oh, now? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay, so hey, did you grow up in North Carolina? I grew up in western Kansas. Okay. Yep, yep. farming community. Um, yeah, everything was farming or somehow tied into agriculture. And I moved out to North Carolina to go racing or work on race cars. Okay. Well, that explains another relationship we'll talk about later then. Um, And so is that where you shot your first gun then would be in Kansas? Yes. Yep. On the farm? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I grew up in like our high school, I think only had maybe 100 kids in it. So everyone, everyone had a gun in their car or their truck. And actually, our principal, at the beginning of the year, you know, everyone got together. And every year, he brought up the, the thing that you can have a gun in your car. But as soon as your car touches school property, that's where there's an issue, right? As long as it's on the road, on the city road, you're okay, good to go. But just make mm. sure that you don't park on school property. So, Was that a shotgun or what, what was that, the first thing you shot? I think it was a Mini-14. My dad's mini 14. How old were you? Nine, 10, maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Those things are awesome. I um, I saw a couple of AR-15s that had ruptured because of steel-cased ammo. and But the one gun that will eat steel-cased ammo all day is the Ruger yeah. mini 14. Yeah. So it's got that M14 style... It- um receiver and that yeah. thing is awesome yeah i think it's a very underrated gun yeah and it it didn't like it, it i guess it looks kind of scary but once you kind of got a few shots into it you realize it's not really a big deal so i don't know if that's because maybe it was heavy or i don't know that i've shot one since so i'm kind of playing off of a vague memory but um, mm. yeah and after that, I mean, we shot that, but we would just go out in the pasture and uh, like hand throw clay tar- uh, clay pigeons, or we take the Ruger 1022s out, you know, little stuff like that. So how do you go from shooting a, a Mini 14 at nine to finding USPSA or practical shooting period? Oh, dang, that's a good question. So after I moved out here, uh, uh, Rowan County Wildlife Association wasn't too far because I moved to Mooresville, so it was probably 20 minutes away. 
And I think I found that match online somewhere, like on a forum or something. That probably would have been 2012-ish, I think was my first match. And I just showed up with, I think I shot Ruger SR9 in production. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, like, like I, I didn't have fun because I had three magazines. Right? Like, I oh, guess, right? yeah. Because I yeah. kind of remember, like, back then when you got in, instead of them telling you to go to Limited so you could fill up your magazines, like, I feel like the feeder division was pr- uh, production for some reason. Hmm. And, you know, that it wasn't fun. So. Well, no, and, and a 32-round stage, you don't even have enough bullets, so. No, no. There, yeah, yeah there's multiple times. There was, I saved a bunch of pacers that day. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they made money off me from saving pacers. Oh, uh, so I, I guess then production was your first division you got classified in? I think, I think I moved to limited. Uh, I thought I was a gunsmith and beefed up a MMP 40, put a magwell and all this junk on there and shot limited for a little bit and then eventually bought a CZ tactical sport. Man, this is, you're bringing up some skeletons in my closet, man. I could have forgotten about that MP40. Now I don't want want to talk about that anymore. That's (laughs) So what was your first classification? C. I think I, I think I was C at least. Okay. Yeah. And what do you shoot today? What division do you shoot today? I'm still kind of division fluid, Dave. Um, so you, okay. Yeah. So you dabble. Uh, I dabble a little bit. So I, my, actually my goal for this year was to make limited, uh, master and limited. And I did that a couple months ago. So oh. I'm going to venture back into the carry optics a little bit for this summer. Hmm. Yeah. Are you making your way to Cardinal Center in June or no? No. Okay. Um, so I still, I'm still in racing. So I have to, I have to be back on Mondays for work. And that's kind of a, it's a tough schedule to shoot on Sunday and then drive home and make it back to work on Monday. So uh, okay. I'm going to shoot just some, some state matches. Area six coming up here in a couple of weeks. And then um, that's really my big matches. Well, area six not isn't what's that, an hour from you? Uh twenty minutes. Yep. Or forty minutes closer than I said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's not bad. That's pretty solid. Yeah. 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 Plus, you know, uh I've, I've shot production. I'm a master in production. Master Unlimited, and like those two, especially production, like production's going away, and everyone's going to carry optics. So I kind of want to see, like, see where I really stand as a shooter. Um, play a little bit with the dot, shoot up some practice nine that I have stockpiled. So kind of for those reasons. So what are you running in carry optics? Shadow two, with an SRO. All right, no, no move to limited optics. No, I, I don't see that for me. I, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Probably carry optics. No, I don't think there's but maybe six signed up in limited optics for Area 6 right now. 
So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just checking Buckeye Blast, and they have ten. So. Ten. I mean, I think you're going to get a handful here and there. Who knows? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think those numbers will probably jump later this summer. Like, I kind of feel like everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens with it, and then maybe make a move from there. Yeah, but I, I guess you know if there isn't enough movement period you know in this year then it won't become an actual division so yeah it'll be interesting to see if it kind of heats up throughout the year yes i agree um so what is your now you what did your training look like when you were trying to get to master in limited what was your training looking like when you did that Uh, my goal was dry fire for 40 minutes a week and then two matches a month. That's really, that was still within the past couple years. And that's kind of like when the ammo company has started really taking off. So my dry fire and training has taken a backseat to making ammunition for sure. So, like, you know, my goal was 40 minutes a week. Uh, I missed that probably 50% of the time, but I always try to try to get out and shoot two matches a month, two locals. So with your dry fire being 40 minutes, how long was each session? 15 to 20 minutes. So yeah, you're looking at two to three sessions a week. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I was going to ask you later if your if outdoor dynamics was your primary or secondary job, but now, now I know, yeah. um, what made you get into race cars? When I was in high school, I had a teacher that her husband was a sprint car racer and she knew that I watched races and was, you know, a race fan. And she invited me to go to the track with him one day to help work on the car. Um, you know, I was probably 15, 14 or 15 when that happened. And then, I, you know, I was hooked, hooked from there. So, you know, started out the dirt tracks, sprint car racing. And that was something that I wanted to do after high school. So that, that's where it started. So are you NASCAR level? Okay. Yes, sir. Yep. So I assume that's how you and Shooting Sports Innovation know each other? Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Actually, actually, I take that back. I take that back. It, I met him on the range. Okay. I met, first met him on the range because Nathan didn't travel, and I traveled, so I, I never really crossed paths with him until it was at the range, and then we kind of, you know, built that friendship. Mm, then you realized you had something in common. Yes, we're frenemies. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, it yeah. also explains your location in North Carolina. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's on the northeast side of Charlotte. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. One, of, one of the big cities for for NASCAR racing. All right. Yep. All right. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely off script then, and I'm gonna ask you a question about like I I made some posts. Where I took last year, I took the last four years and I'm like, let's turn the shooting seasons into a point race. 
and see who would win a points race mm-hmm. um, based on performance and uh, participation. Very much like like NASCAR, where you know if you're not driving every weekend, you're not earning those points. You're not gonna stay in the chase for the championship at the end. But at the same time, you don't have to win every race. As long as you're participating and doing well and being consistent, then your points will will be there in the end. Yep. Do you do you see something like a NASCAR style? I'm not saying the way NASCAR does it, but a, a NASCAR style points race. Do you think that adding any interest to USPSA? I think that is a fantastic idea. I think if you yeah, I mean, do it, say, like the Rowan club club level match, right? Um, take, I don't know, and to add, add to that, take points and then say where you can miss two events because, you know, life's going to happen. So take right. your best 10 out of 12 finishes or something and do something like that. Yeah, but I, I like that. That's really cool. That's a good idea. What I did was because there are so many different level twos and I was just I'm not going to go. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out a formula or, or you know, all of this other stuff. But just off the, the top, I was like, all right, I'll take all of the area matches and nationals. And I'll base a points race off of that. Mm-hmm. And I gave 100 points for win at an area match. Nationals was worth 400 points if you win. Um, just because there's more pressure, there's everything, you know, the other competitors are there. You don't necessarily always have the other competitors at the area matches, and they're not always shooting with you on the same squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I weighted it that way and then calculated everything up. So you had the shooter of the year for each division. But then I also had a total points across all divisions. So Nils took it three out of four years, but he shoots multiple divisions, especially at nationals. So someone like Max Michelle or Max Leo Grandis, or even um, I'll, I'll use Christian Seiler one year, the year he won all of the area matches and nationals, he maxed out at 1,200 points. Well, the problem was Nils shot other stuff and ended up with more than 1200 points <clears throat> so he actually according to the way I, I weighted it he would have won shooter of the year but i was like all right there would have to be a way that you could weight it because nobody in history has ever won all eight area matches and national so i'm like maybe there's a multiplier for you know multiple wins that area matches and, and nationals i don't know but there would have to be something in there to kind of balance that out so that mm-hmm. if someone even took third in four different nationals and then did third at all the area matches probably still going to win overall shooter of the year just because of all the participation and the points that they would get but i i too think it would be very interesting to add a points race and even even if it's just for shooter of the year mm-hmm. you know you still have your national champions and all of that but here is your shooter of the year 
I, I want to touch on something you said. You you said no one has won all area matches and nationals, except is for that, Christian. Okay, is that in the same year or just ever? Same calendar year, like okay. January to December. Wow, that's a feat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh 2019 or 2020. Okay. Maybe it was 2019. Yeah, he won them. He won them all. Dang. I got. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he won them all in the same calendar year. So, whenever that first area match started in the spring and area two ended in November, he won them all. Wow. Yeah, and he won national. So he he literally maxed out on points. <laughs> yeah. He got twelve hundred out of twelve hundred points, and I was like, holy cow. So I was like, well, Nils technically got the points, but but I would have definitely done I would have had to have weighted it somehow because there's no way you can't award that person shooter of the year. Yeah. So Yeah, that's cool. It'll be interesting to see if anybody I mean, they have to compete in every nationals to do it. So but it would be interesting. So is which is the first area match? Area two, did they go already? No, no, Area no, no. Two's always last. They're in November. I think Area Six is first. Okay. Yep, Area Six. You've got two in May. Area Six, then Area Five, then June has two. Area Four and Area. Wait a minute. Oh, that's two gun. So one in June, Area Four. Then you have Area Seven in July. Area One is also in July. Then Area Three in August. Area Eight in August and area two in November. Okay. So it's a, what is that? A six month, six month span. You've got all eight area matches. Okay. Yeah. I think it would be interesting. I think a points race might, you know, liven things up a little bit. Yeah. Now what is your, all right. So your last major goal was to be master in limited. What are your future shooting goals from here? I think, I mean, I think my next one's going to be make master and carry optics. Okay. Yeah. I I was kind of going in between shooting production at area six and maybe trying to make grandmaster, but I don't know. I don't know that I have the time to put in the effort and practice tri fire to make grandmaster right now. So I think carry optics make a master, and that's probably a more realistic goal. Okay. So why is master your? I'm not saying why is grandmaster not. I'm I'm literally asking why limited. I mean why master not a class or whatever. What made you choose master? I, I feel like it's a it's a high it's a high bar for me, and but not. I don't know how to, how am I going to say this? It's, it's achievable for me right now with what I have to do on the ammunition side. So like, I don't have, I'm not putting forth the the time to make grandmaster, but I feel like I'm a better shooter than a class. So I guess it's a good in between for me. Does that, did I say that right? Yeah. And I I would agree. It's a good in between. Yeah. When I first got into this, in 2018 about 2019 towards the end i was like master class was my goal mm-hmm. i got into this older you know joints don't I'm, I'm still fairly quick but you know 
I was like, M class is definitely achievable. I can definitely do it. I was, I was making that rise. And then I had a bunch of, you know, my schedule at work changed. Uh, a bunch of different things happened all at one time. Then the pandemic hit. Uh, so, you know, priorities have, have shifted. So, yeah. Yep. But that's why I was wondering for you, because that's was my reason. It was achievable. And I felt it was high enough level that, you know, people respect that level of shooting, even A class, but. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So you were saying it was about. Did you say 2012 or 2014 was your first match? I think it was 2012 was my first okay. match. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. So that was my first match, but I didn't sign up or I didn't become a member in USPSA until 2016 because that was kind of the tail end of my traveling career, I guess you'd say. So because mm. I was always traveled on the weekends and I couldn't make any matches, but november december and sometimes january so like i was only shooting three matches a year so it was pretty tough there's no reason for me to sign up when i could just go shoot and have fun and learn a little bit until uh till i cycled out of of that okay so now you're you're permanently there where you're at you don't travel around anymore correct yep. to work okay yep home based yep okay well, that would explain how you're able to do the outdoor dynamic side of things, too, then. Yeah. Now, I've heard um, that you started outdoor dynamics, what was it, like 2018? Yes. So that's a pretty short period from really getting into USPSA on more of a quote-unquote full-time basis yeah. uh, to starting outdoor dynamics and reloading ammo uh, how how do you make that jump? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So twenty, I got to think twenty seventeen. I will, I was able to travel half the time. So it, okay, so twenty eighteen was the first year that I didn't have to ever get on a plane again. Okay, and I have, was shooting. My match buddy was buying ammunition from someone else and he kept having issues with getting the wrong order. Uh, they sent him the wrong order a couple times, whether it was, you know, different caliber, different weight, I don't remember. And I was loading it for myself that time. And he and I were talking back and forth. And I was like, well, you know, how, how hard could it be to get an order right? And that's kind of when it started, right? Yeah. I know I get silly, right? Like the customer service side, it, it was lucky <laughs> lacking. And I was like, man, how hard is it to ship a guy 125 grain, a thousand of them or 500 or whatever he was needing at the time. So, and it's, it's snowballed from there. And I blame him every day now since that day in 2018. So it had nothing to do with the fact that he couldn't get ammo. He could get ammo. It was just yeah. the customer yeah. service side of things. Yeah. He just had to buy a different gun every time <laughs> to shoot that ammo that he was getting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much you, so I, I know you're in NASCAR. I don't know exactly what you do, but with ammo, I, I, I don't hand load nine mil, but one of the guys who used to be a co-host with me does. So he would load our ammo, but we worked together. Like I, I only reload rifle. So, well, at least for now. Bless you. 
<laughs> but it's very long. It's very tedious. Oh, Holy cow. Man. Um, but there's still a process. If you're gonna if you're gonna reload ammo or load I'm sorry, load ammo for sale, mm-hmm. there's still a process to go through there because you know you've got to determine that sweet spot for loading so that it works in the most number of guns. How long did that process take you? It felt like it was forever. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have an exact number, but it was it was probably at least six months to maybe even a year. Right? Because like you said, it's easy to customize a load to your gun, to my yep. gun, to whatever, but you ship it to Montana to a guy shooting a Bursa nine millimeter that you don't have and it's loaded too long and it's sticking in the rifling like that's an issue and yeah it, it I felt like it was like it was months and once I kind of realized that that's what the issue was like it's different firearms I would I would seek out guys with on forums with different firearms and I met a couple at the range so I'm a member at Rowan. And I message him and I'm like, hey, I know you have five different guns. Would you mind bringing them to the range so I can test them? You know, stuff like that. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know, whether right. it be a pocket to a Glock to whatever, you know, I've seen you post pictures and I need to make sure my stuff's right. So that was a big help. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had some issues with our reloading stuff, you know, so I, I know even when we're just, and he and I have the same gun. We both had Canix. So, and we still had issues. So I was like, man, this is uh, quite the process. So, yeah. um, and, and what I didn't get. So like when I load rifle, I mean, it's, it's for long range. So it's precision stuff, but you know, they're all basically code or um, jacketed bullets. So I don't have, I've got to determine my overall length, but I'm not dealing with jacketed bullets and different types of coatings on the bullets because we had ammo loaded for one gun, went to shoot it in another gun and had a problem. I'm like, what is the issue? Well, he loaded them the same length, but he had changed the projectile. And that changed the whole thickness of the bullet and then that caused issues we're like oh my god this is never ending so i mean do you are do you run into any of that stuff now or is it at the point where it's like all good to go for you so i load 99% blue bullets and okay and i've kind of learned that I've, i've tried to use some full metal jacket stuff and uh like you said i've just run into issues so i've kind of I feel like I, I'm on the in and out burger mentality where your your menu is real small, but mm-hmm. you do those small things really well. So maybe that's a bad analogy, but I feel like no. my menu is real small, and I try just to stay in that window of of what I know. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. It's like that MMA fighter who he yeah. only has three kicks. Yeah. But they're really good. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. That's a great analogy, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because I was on your site looking at it. I'm like, oh, man. I, and it is 
I don't want to call it a small menu. I mean, I think it's a good menu, but yeah, it's not extravagant or anything, but it looks, yeah. it looks good. And I saw you, you do use the blue bullets and I feel like that's probably the biggest thing using the same bullet all the time. Yes. Yep. You would, I would have never realized how important that was. Yeah. And what's really yeah. helped out is they've changed. So they've changed their profile on their nose too. So it's a little, little more pointy than it used to be. So that's helped out a bunch. Well, I'm going to jump in and ask you that question now. I'm seeing a lot of truncated cones. Have you considered, I don't know, I didn't look to see if Blue Bullet is making them, but that profile also seems to be a little bit more forgiving in more bullets. So are you considering a truncated cone? I, I have in the past, but okay. I was getting some bad feedback on the gun feeding them properly. I don't mm. remember. I think I think there's only one or two manufacturers that was having issues, but it was enough to where I just load round nose right now. And, okay. and like I said, the blue bullets, they, they've really changed their, their nose profile. So it's it's easier to load with that profile. It's more of a kind of a more of a point like this instead of old leg Big round nose. Round. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. So like on the CZ chamber, you'd have to load those things like real, real short. But now with the new profile, you can load them a little bit longer and they're more forgiving. Uh, and that's what our issue was uh, yeah. when he changed the bullet. It was just one coated bullet to another and it was from blue bullets to something else. Yeah. Well, it did. It did change the profile. So sometimes it was like, man, why isn't this thing wanting to feed properly? Well, yes. when I contacted the other guy, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, look, they're a little bit thicker. So, you know, you're going to have to shorten your um, your depth. So yeah. it yeah. was little things like that that we were like, holy cow. Yeah. I think the truncated cone, I've heard that they're like they punch a good hole in the paper. And there's been sort of some subjective reports that they're more accurate in longer distances like maybe for a pcc but um, i think for us with the dynamic moving that we're doing yeah it's not it, it just wasn't worth it for me if you're loading for yourself and your gun can feed them properly i, I say go for it but yeah it's not it's not for me right now yeah and i i mean i've i've put countless hours into you know is there a design that would be more aerodynamic efficient that would allow for more accuracy but i'm like idiot it's a pistol you're only yeah. going 50 yards it doesn't yeah. matter it just has to be this big doesn't have yes. to be this big you know yeah. yeah so it's like sometimes i think i overthink things um so even with a pcc uh everybody i've talked to nobody wants to shoot 75 yards with a pcc Everybody wants to shoot pistol distances. So even then, yeah. I mean, if you get an extra quarter of an inch of accuracy, who cares? For sure. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So yeah. I've gotten more into lately the zeroing of the gun because I think that matters more because if you have a zero, I like to use that phrase, the sweet spot. But if you get a good zero with a large sweet spot, like um, 
I zero my mechanics at 15 yards and I can go from all the way out to 50 yards and just shoot as as Steve, another Steve, uh, the um, center of the available target area. That's mm-hmm. all I have to do mm-hmm. because it's within a half an inch either way, anywhere around where I'm aiming. So yeah, that's that's what I care more about. Is not having to think about, oh, I need to aim a little higher, aim a little lower, aim this, aim that. Just aim center, pull the trigger. Yeah, and that's what I'm a little, I don't want to say worried, but that's, I've only practiced once with this dot. And I learned, I learned holdovers real quick. Hmm. I think I was at 12 yards. I was at 12 and then seven. And I couldn't. Because I'm a dumb iron-sided shooter, I was like, "Why is this thing shooting so low?" And then it's like, "Oh, hey, dumb, you got you're closer, so it's going to hit lower." And yeah, I think A6 is going to be interesting for me, but yeah, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, I really derailed that. I, I don't have, I don't know where I was going with that either. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Well, we were just yeah. talking about zero distance, but zero. it's all good. Yeah. Now you got in about a year, then you got into making ammo about a year before all the supply chain issues hit and all of yes. that. Yes. Um, are you still catching up with all of that or from because of all of that or? Yeah. Um, like the supply is starting to get a little bit better, but we okay. won't, we won't ever see, I don't, I don't think we will ever see the days of three cent primers again, but the supply's coming back. Yeah. yeah, I had a buddy who was in that the ammo business. He was importing ammo, selling it and stuff. He said the same thing right before he got out. He's like, we'll never see those prices again. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty much a done deal. Yeah, yeah, it's done. But I mean, everything else was expensive, right? Like you can't go to McDonald's and eat for under. 12 bucks a person anyway so that's just how things are yeah, right now it's crazy mm-hmm. so where do you see realistically if now I'm, I'm not talking about i'm sure you buy in ridiculous quantity okay um but say the average person who's buying one to five thousand primers at a pop what do you think is a reasonable price that may make it down to five I cents would, yeah. seven cents Okay. Yeah, I think anywhere between five, six, seven cents, something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit more, but that's not too bad. Two cents a primer more. It adds up in the long run, but yeah, the grand scheme of things, eh, okay. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's probably really nothing compared to how more expensive the matches are getting and hotels and all that other stuff. Yeah, because it's the rest of it's going to kill you, you know? Yeah, the gas. All that stuff. I mean, I did. I I almost almost purchased some ammo today because it was a a case of NATO new NATO nine mil for two fourteen. I was like, that's actually pretty solid. And it's new. It and the big the big thing that got me was like new brass. Mm-hmm. If I shoot it in training, then I can keep all that brass. <laughs> <laughs> so I can bring the cost down overall eventually. That's right. Yep. Now you have, all right, so you have the 115 missiles, the 124 Andersons, and the 147 Librarians. I get what they all are. A little snappy on the missiles, very soft on the Librarians, and then a good medium. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if I were a, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one at you here. If I was a, or you were a bullseye shooter, like Bianchi cup, and you've got to hit a three or a four inch X ring at 50 yards, which of those three were you choosing? Oh man. <laughs> I just updated my website with frequently asked questions and I forgot to update that one. Oh, okay. Well, not, now you can. <laughs> uh, can I ask one question? What firearm are you shooting? What's it? Nine mil. Steel frame gun? Yeah, steel frame. Um, and uh, so <laughs> the op, it's going to look like an open gun. I think you'd have to shoot the 125s. Okay. Yeah, final answer, 125s. All right. And why do you why do you choose that? Just because it's a in between in between of recoil and re, felt recoil and uh you told me there were gonna be no hard questions on here. You got Sorry. me stuttering. I lied. You did lie. Um, I, I think that the 125 is just a good in-between round for felt recoil. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I would have other, just knowing what I've seen on your website, I probably would have chosen the 124s, but I, again, I'm looking at it more like, okay, if I'm doing bullseye, what do I, what do I have to adjust least amount on my guns and, um, yeah, and a lot of their stages are timed. So I'm not saying okay. that, you know, the 115 might be a little bit more snappy on the on the site. So I don't know if I'd want that. But yet, I don't, I don't know. I guess yeah. I would just. I think I would have just guessed the 124s and gone with it. Yeah, Anderson's. Yeah, I think so. I get that question all the time, right? 125s and 147s. And there's, I try to give them some, some parameters. Like, like I, like I just asked, like, are you running a dot? Are you running steel frame, plastic gun? What's your experience like? What is your grip like? Do you feel like you Mm. have a good grip? Like if you have a good grip, 125 is all day long, but I, I personally don't feel like I have a good grip. So I'm like, I go in between the 147s and 125s all the time. And even even pro shooters, uh, even the, the good shooters I have on my team and guys I supply, like there's no good shooters are shooting 147s and they're also shooting 125s. It's all just a matter of what do you want to feel? Do you want to feel a little bit of snap? Do you want to feel a little less snap? And that's, it's it's so hard, so hard to guide them on what to do. So if I need to, I'll just say shoot 147s and just just pick a lane for them because some some people need that too, right? Like they just need to be told what to shoot mm-hmm. and maybe order order 125s next time. And if you don't like them, then you know you, I'll buy them back and you get 147s, something like that. So, okay. Uh, I don't. I I like 125 or 124s and 115. So I've I've never actually. Well, yes, I did. I shot um when I did some ballistic testing initially early on 
I had some 150 of the federal Syntec. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be honest with you, and maybe it's just because I, I haven't shot that much pistol. Um, but I didn't really notice a whole lot of difference between the 150, 124s, and the 150s. So that's good. That's, I mean, really, that's that's very good. Yeah. So I was like, eh, it doesn't matter to me, but, you know, this is, I, I don't know why it is. I, I shoot 115s all the time, and people are like, what are you doing? I, I, I commend you for that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I'm smart. It just, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I'm like, ah, it's, it's, it's good. It works. It works in the yeah. gun. That's all I care about. The gun works. Uh, I'm okay. The rest of it's yeah. on me. Exactly. So. Now, are you using new brass when you do these? Uh, I have a mix. Yep. Okay. I have a mix of new and reman. All right. That, that new is not cheap. So New, it's not. No, yeah. but you know, a, a good amount of people have requested it. So that's what the people want. That's what they get. If you build it, they will buy it. So, so those that request new brass, is there a different price range for them? There is. Okay. Well, oh, good. I was hoping you were saying yes. So, yeah. Uh, and I, I will say on the new brass, most of those are major shooters, uh, major open. So a lot of guys want new open brass. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And for those people listening that aren't sure why, it's just if the brass hasn't been shot before, then you know it's perfectly fine. If it has been shot before, there could be micro cracks in it that you just don't know, you don't see. Yeah. So I get it. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a with normal nine mil, it would be fine. But in mm -hmm. something with those excessive pressures would be a problem. Yeah. Yep. Now I did have a specific question about your PCC ammo, your pistol caliber carbine. Mm -hmm. I read on there that you're using small rifle primers. Yes. Specifically for that. And, and why is that? For. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's such a simple question. I got to think about. So that. That's I have okay. one machine. I have one machine that does open, uh, that does major and PCC. Okay. And my major rounds are small rifle as well. So I just leave oh, that thing okay. set up for small rifle. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, and the reason I asked, so I was like, maybe I don't shoot PCC. I have a couple of ARs, but they shoot two, two, three, not nine mil. So I'm like, well, maybe there's something about the. Um, firing pin and the bolt and mm. you know I, I don't know so i was like maybe this it works better with small rifles so that's why i asked i didn't know yeah yeah i didn't why. mean it as a trick question or anything i was yeah. just like i'm this is interesting yeah i started thinking if it from a rifle standpoint i'm like oh, okay now i gotta know no yeah that's way too in depth for me dave simple <laughs> gotta keep it simple <laughs> Now you your webpage also made me look something up. I don't even know if I have it up here anymore. Oh, I do, I think. Uh is this it? It is. So also on there, um you mentioned shoot. You can you can tell me exactly. But you made a comment in there that this ammo, and it may be the PCC, I don't remember which ammo it was now, may not meet the minimum power factor for IDPA. Yes. And what, what, now when I looked, 
It looks like IDPA is mostly 125, except for stock revolver and the backup gun. But those are actually 105, 195. Enhanced revolvers, 155, and customer defensive pistols, 165. So it, it doesn't say anything about PCC being 135. It should be oh, in there. You know what? It's not even listed. Yep, that's why. So that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, we found that out the hard way. Uh, Christina Baker, she's the one that let me know because she shot a match, and she's like, "In my my PCC Lotus is a little bit hotter than, you know, it's it's 135 power factor, so it's a little bit on the hot side." And she's like, "Hey, bro, this stuff barely made chrono," and I was like, mm. "What are you talking about? It should it should pass the flying colors." And she's like, "Uh." -uh. Not so much, Sunny. <laughs> oh wow! So, okay. Yeah. All right. So yep. so Dylan, I don't I don't know what reloading equipment you use, um, but Dylan has Dylan Precision has a whole on their website. They have a whole Power Factor page which lists like Power Factor for IPSC, USPSA, ICOR, SAS. Oh. Okay. And all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's wild. It's like for SAS, that's the uh, sport action single um single action stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. the single action sport. And they even say no velocities before below four hundred feet per second. Their power factor <laughs> is sixty. Yeah, yeah. It just needs to leave I'm the like, barrel. That's all they care yeah, about. Yeah, it's like a it's a cap. That's a cap mm -hmm. gun. Yeah. So it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. So that's where I went, and that's where they had them all listed, but they didn't have PCC. So that's what it was. Yeah. All right. And I, I don't know that anyone's bought PCC that shoots IDPA, so I haven't had to address that yet. But I, I figured I needed to get that at least on the website so someone could say, hey, make me something that will pass for IDPA, and we can whip something up for them. It's like another grain or two. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if they have a DaVinci rifle, I'll just ship them some major ammo and just let them go with it. There you go. So the DaVinci can handle that? It, it can handle a couple. I don't know if it'll handle a full magazine worth. Okay. Yeah. Now, how many... Uh, I've seen multiple images on your Instagram of machines running and putting out ammo. How many machines do you have running at any given time? Three. Three when I'm by myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, four is too many. And, you know, I, you, you have that much going on. It's a lot for one person anyway. So, and it, it's just me. Uh, so, yeah, three. Three you can handle. How many rounds is that, like, per hour? Uh, How much does one machine do for in an hour? So, my... Revolution, I have set up for 2300 an hour. And the other two, if I'm running all three of them, I, I back the other two down to like 1800 just, just to keep it simple. Yeah. That's that's so still like what? just say, six, yeah, just say six, six grand. Yeah. That's quite a bit. Yeah. So, what, what was the most number of rounds you've made in a year? Uh, we were, so when was COVID 2020? 
March of 2020. Yep. We were sent home for eight weeks and that's all I did. I made normal hours for myself and it, it was a lot. I, I don't want to say wow. how many, but it was a lot. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was a cool experiment. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, maybe the cool is not the right way. It was interesting to see what I could do when I did it full time for two, it was eight weeks. Yeah, it was eight weeks. So two months, it was interesting to see what I could pop out in two months. Do you think you'll be doing this full time when you retire from your day job? The problem, Dave, the problem with that is like, I, I really enjoy my day job, so I haven't really thought about it a whole lot. Okay, you have, don't look all that old either, so you still have some time. I, I yeah, <laughs> I mean, I got, I'm 38, so I got yeah, a little bit got, time. Like, you got, I've got you by 18 years, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a lot closer yeah. to that than you are. <laughs> I tell you what, when you retire, you come yep. down here, I have a job waiting for you if you want to come over part-time. Three years in October, I'll be down there. Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Now I want to um, I want to switch gears, and I see that it looks like you've started something every year with Travis Tomasi. So actually, this is the first year we're going to host him. Oh, okay. Yes. Yep. So uh, our club at Rowan. They, I had to go through a presentation to have a class to host a class there and get permission from the board. So mm, that, was, okay. that was that was a pretty big undertaking because you know in the past they've they've shied away from that because they just want to be a range. They don't want to have training classes and stuff like that. So I okay. went through some hoops, and got approved to to host classes this year. Uh, we were actually I was going to have Rob Epiphania come down in April, but. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of interest, and so we canceled that class. So Travis is coming up in July. So I'm hoping. I think we have six signed up right now, five or six, and we need at least ten. So we need a couple more, but um, we're pretty excited for that. Okay, so while we're there, then if someone were to listen to this and go, "Hey, I'd like to get in on that," how do they get in the class? They can either sign up on my website under USPSA training, or they can shoot me an email and we'll get them hooked up. Okay. So for everybody yeah. listening, it's outdoordynamics.net. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Um, now, are, can folks, when they get there, can they buy ammo from you or do they need to bring? Either. Yeah, we're going to have, I took a certain percentage off for those who need it. So we'll have ammo deals, uh, whatever they need. I think, I can't remember what round count was. You know, I would say maybe a thousand just to be sure, because it is a two-day class. Okay. It's a Friday, Saturday. Okay. And and yep. it does say on the website, approximate round count is a thousand. Okay. So now, there is a lot of stuff that, you know, that he's covering do you know how the two day is broken down? Like, is it just basics on one day and then more advanced the second day or how, how does the training work with this? I haven't, haven't really touched base with them yet about that. The, the okay. biggest thing was getting the class posted and trying to get the sign up for it. 
Okay. Yep. Just yep. getting that interest drummed up. Yeah. Is that pretty much everything you see on my website? I stole from his just, just so <laughs> okay. people, right. Like have an idea of what's going to go on and some basics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is 10 the max number you're looking at then? 10 is minimum. I want to say okay. 15 is max. Okay. 14. So there's plenty yeah. of space out there for them to get their stuff in. Yes, sir. Yep. And I don't know why. I thought I had seen something where, uh, and I, again, I, this could be just me looking at stuff incorrectly, but I thought I had seen where you guys did it last year. No? No. Okay. All right. Then I just, I must have been looking at a wrong date on something or whatever, but okay. Yeah, I'd probably be a GM by now if I would have taken this class last year. <laughs> Uh, do you plan on having anybody trying to get other people to do classes too? Or man, David, I I don't know. Um, okay. There's so I'm pretty. Uh, I'm the match director for the Carolina Classic in September. Okay. So that that has kind of taken off, and we're kind of getting into the swing of getting that thing ready, and possibly possibly having Corey Shield down for his falling steel world series match later in the year too. So if that happens, I don't know that I'll have time to put on another class or host another class, I should say. Yeah. I mean, and look, going back to your day job, I mean, that's right in the thick of the is, heat yeah. of your day job. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. So, oof. Yep. Better you than me. That's a lot yep. to juggle. There's, yeah, there's a couple of irons in the fire. <laughs> yeah. You might be running more than three machines by it's, yourself right I now. I know, Bob. it's terrible. I'm such a glutton for punishment. I don't know Break why. your own rule. I know, I know. It doesn't make sense. All right, so you're running the Carolina Classic, match directoring that. Yeah. Uh, you might have Corey come down. Yeah. And... Obviously, your your day job's heating up at that time. What what other major matches you have going on? Or I'm pretty much just stick to state matches. Um, if Area Six wasn't here in Salisbury, I don't know that I'd be going to it. So, like state matches are are my big matches. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, did you have anything to do with the? Because didn't they just have a major match? Mm, oh, I've already closed out the USPSA website. Uh, South okay. Carolina had their match almost that, a month ago. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you go down yep. there and shoot that one, or? I did. Yep. How'd you like that one? Those guys. So uh, Tom Castro did the vendor area. I'm, did you hear about the vendor area he did? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, of course you did. He tells everybody because that's the way Tom is. Um, yeah, I, I love those guys. I love that range. It's just set up a little funky because there's two sides of it, right? Like there's there's a north and a south or a north and an east side, and it's kind of broken up. So they really have to plan their their base out well. And like in between mm. in between those. It's probably, man, I don't know, 100 yards, maybe 200 yards. 
So oh, okay. They, yeah, they really have to plan everything out for logistics. Okay. Yeah. Now, you you were saying that you're the match director for the Carolina Classic, and that made me think. So, as a match director, when you go to these other matches, like Area Six or whatever other major match you go to. Do you ever walk away from there going, ooh, I like this idea, I like that idea. I'm going to make sure I don't do that, but this. I take a notebook with me and I steal all the good ideas, take pictures. I like it. Yep. I like it. That's good. Yep. So you're basically like the Chinese. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't look at my phone. You're going to see some stuff on there you don't like. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so. I, uh, I don't see how you don't. You have to, right? If, I mean, if if the end game is to provide a good product for the customer, the shooter, you have to you have to learn from others. You try to put on the best match you can. Uh, so, in last year, I went up to Maine for their state match, and it, it's not only taking pictures; it's looking at their stages, asking staff, you know, like, "Hey, how's it going up here? You know, what did you like? What do you?" what don't you like you know so it's just going a little bit beyond pictures and writing stuff down it's asking people their opinions on stuff too yeah well yeah. and i feel like I, I mean i could i'm sure there are some out there but the people that i've i've encountered don't seem like the type that won't share any of that information with you you know yes yep um like i don't know if you ever made it up to area 8 in 2020 or 2021 i know 2020 i'm trying to think no i don't think it was 2021 i think it may have already moved up to pennsylvania but they had area eight at shadowhawk defense up in west virginia keanu Sai did it the two years and he put out a big google survey after the match and then shared that information it was very very interesting that's the kind of stuff I could see where, you know, if if match directors networked and, and spoke, then that's kind of information you could share. And even if you didn't know what those yeah. stages were, if they said too many of this or too much of that or we would like more of this, at least you go, oh, OK, well, it's probably the same most places. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I'm sure all the shooters are have some sort of group text as well. And it's learning like like just because I don't go somewhere. The guys on our group go shoot nationals and, you know, wherever else. So it's not just what I see. It's what others are saying. Hey, you know, every stage you were loaded and holstered, you know, or there were Mm. no movers or there are open targets or too many open. You know, it's like trying to find that good balance of of stages and flow. Speaking of that, so that brings up two questions. You said movers, and I know that uh, you and Targets USA are partners of some sort. Mm-hmm. Do you have any funky monkey swinger thingies? No, no funky okay. monkey here. <laughs> now, did you did you see any of the video from Dragon's Cup 3.0? Yes. And they actually had movers, movers, not swingers, not bobbers, but movers. Uh, I did not see that one. I think because they had a monkey there, right? They did. Their monkey was 
Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was quite as funky. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It was under a little control. less funky monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much cocaine on that monkey. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I saw a okay. video. I think it was um, um, Tim uh, Tanfo Timmy. Okay. Who Tim Dundery? He showed one where it bobbed a little bit, but it was on. It actually was a mover. So. Yeah, so it was moving and it went. It kind of waved at you as it went, and but this is also why I've been putting those posts up on my uh, Instagram. That this is where, to me, having a zero with a very large sweet spot works because if you have a target like that and it's doing all this weird funkiness and sliding, where are you aiming? I, I'm just going to aim the same place I would always aim. Everybody yeah. else, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Wow, that's impressive. I'll have to go back and look at that. I missed it. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if I can. Yeah, it was uh, very impressive. I was like, ooh. But I didn't make the comment that I don't feel that there is enough. Well, shoot. Let me go this way. That there's. I've seen movers but not a lot in USPSA. I saw a couple in Ipsic at the world shoot and I'm like, that's what we need more of. Need yeah. more movers. Cause that to me, that's a challenge and it's fun. Let me just go to Tanfo Timmy's page. I know I want to say he posted it like when he first got there, but man, that guy's like one of those guys too. He posts so much. You're like, uh, was that before or after he got yeah. to Texas? Maybe it wasn't him. It must have been. Maybe it was somebody else. But somebody got there early and posted, like, uh, just a quick picture of it. Um, and it was like, oh, that's going to be interesting. But there have been other people who've actually posted the target. So I have to go back and figure it out. Yeah, that match, that match is impressive because, I mean, they're pulling – what 450 shooters in the middle of nowhere texas when it's hotter than hades and have as has a sandstorm where yeah like i think the a6 match right now has 350 shooters so man whatever those guys are doing out there is fantastic yeah they had yeah i've got i do have that one up and the number was whoop, there's that dog noise 457 competitors. That is awesome. That's more than what they're having at uh, Carry Optics Nationals. So I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. If they can have that many, why can't Carry Optics Nationals have that? That doesn't many? make sense. Yeah, that doesn't make right. sense. Right. So, yeah, I would, I would like to see more competitors at these places. Plus, they gave cash away. They and maybe yeah. Yeah, uh, did you see that post? Like somebody made eight hundred and Max Leo Grandis eight hundred seventy five dollars. Max and Sal. I had a little bit of time while we were trying to figure out our little. I should say our my internet issue that I'm, okay went down a small rabbit hole on that. Uh, but, oh, but yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, some of those people walked away with some decent cash. Says I don't follow them, but I saw the post. So maybe it's Dragon's Cup. Maybe that's what I saw it on. Yeah. But yeah, yeah they <clears throat> they made quite a bit of, of cash too. But 
I mean, look how many people they pulled in. So that's a lot yeah. of competitors. Well, John, that's what I've got. Is there anything you wanted to expand on that we talked about or add that we didn't? Mm, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, man, I appreciate I appreciate you being patient <laughs> and us figuring all this out. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. And hopefully uh, I can see it on the range someday. Yeah, you're not that far away from me. So do you get down to Sir Walter any? On occasion, but it's been a while. It's been a, probably about three years or so. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten down there after spring. Uh, well, I don't even know if I've made it. No, I made it to um, North, uh, True North. True North, yep. Yeah, that's that's as far down as I've made it just for like a weekend okay. local match. Um, okay. But that is one of the places I've been meaning to get down to, so I definitely need to. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Like they're a eight-stage local uh, you know, club match. So, and they put on a good match. So. All right. I'm definitely yeah. going to have to make that. I've heard Todd Jarrett say it's one of his favorite matches. So yeah, it's got to yep. be he good. Carrier always go. Yes. Well, thanks again, John. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>